0: This is Ben Guest, and this is Ben Bowes Podcast. Today's conversation is with Ivory Johnson. Ivory is a former student of mine. I was a high school English teacher in Hollandale, Mississippi, which is in the heart of the Mississippi Delta. And Ivory himself is now a teacher at the same school, Simmons High School. In this conversation, we talk about politics, as Ivory just finished a political campaign. We talk teaching and learning. We talk life in the Mississippi Delta, especially race relations in the Mississippi Delta. We touch on our love of the Godfather films briefly and a whole bunch of other fun things. Enjoy. Okay, so let's set the scene. Can you tell listeners about Hollandale, Mississippi?
1: All right. Hollandale, Mississippi is in southeastern Washington County uh we are about 25 miles south and east of the county seat greenville greenville is i do believe still the largest city in the in the delta but if it is not now it just lost that designation recently but it has been throughout history one of the largest cities in mississippi one of the largest cities in the delta so we are imagine a suburb that's 25 miles away with almost nothing between That that's that's Hollandale and Greenville. But uh Hollandale has been historically majority black. Uh this place started out as a pop, a single plantation, uh the city of Hollandale did. So uh there is a good bit of collective unity in the community because we've been here and isolated for a while. And that has its ups and downs, but um, it's about twenty twenty four hundred people, depending on the census estimate. I'll be interested to look at last year's census data. But when I was a uh, senior, there were about twenty seven, twenty eight hundred people. So there's been a bit of a population loss since then, but that's the Delta as a whole. Um, Hollandale has one of the oldest uh, public schools for black students in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Simmons High School is actually one of the oldest schools in the state, if it were a university, there would only be like, I think it would be older than about three or four universities in Mississippi. Uh, It would be older than Southern Miss, it'd be older than Valley, it would be older than a couple more. But yeah, uh, Simmons was founded in 1890. Yeah, by Professor E.P. Simmons. Uh, according to the stories I've heard, E.P. Simmons was the brother-in-law of Booker T. Washington. They they married a pair of sisters. And uh, E.P. Simmons was a professor at Tuskegee, and his wife was from the Hollandale area. She moved home, and he came back with her. And he decided to start a school uh, to teach the former slaves and their children that lived in the area. Uh, so that brick building in the center of campus, that everybody calls the old band hall that sits right in front of the cafeteria, that was the original school building, that's the oldest building on campus. So that is Simmons. Uh, that That's where you and I intersect. Uh, and so Hollandale is Hollandale is at once just like everywhere else around it and unique. <laughs> and it's um it's sometimes a maddening place to live but it's it's home. It's it's where my blood is. It's where my family is from. It's where my parents met. It's where I, it's me. Right. <laughs> so uh it's it's always been a joy. Um, telling people where I'm from and about where I'm from and the people about where uh, the people who live where I'm from, because I always say that all the good stuff in me started here, whether I learned it somewhere else or not.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and, and some of what I say is just for the listeners' benefit, because you know this. I've lived all over the world, and my hometown, where I grew up as a child, Waitsfield, Vermont in hollandale mississippi those are the two places that that have my heart there's just something special about hollandale and about the people there and and about my experience there um so again i i know the answer to some of this but for the listeners what are race relations like in hollandale
1: all right so what you have to understand about hollandale is that and I'm not quite sure if this is just one of those things that we've settled into or we're just happy to have, but there's a line in Hollandale and it's shifted a bit over time, but it still exists. When I was a kid, the line was East Avenue, uh, the, the the street that runs in front of Doublequick. Uh, that used to be line when I was a kid, but now uh, the line has shifted back to tr- more or less Trailway Circle. <laughs> so uh, if you ever look at a zoning map of Hollandale, uh, Community Circle, and like uh, TR Clay, and um, East and West Mark, that's all one ward with Sanders Estate and, and whatnot. That's ward one. Then from Coolidge Street up to the track and over to Lincoln Street is war two. War three runs from Rick's to the school so that war four can have all the white people. <laughs> so that is, that. that's more or less uh, how it is. I remarked recently during the campaign because it occurred to me, I've never even set foot in a yard on Treadway Circle. And I cannot think of a time where a white person from hollandale my age came to this side of town and i know that sounds it it sounds like i'm saying that there's there's all this racial tension there really isn't uh one of the, the the things about the delta that that sets us apart from the rest of the south is that we don't have very many rich white people and so it gives our racial dynamic a little bit of a twist because we don't have the big haves and the big have-nots. We got the kind of haves and a whole lot of have-nots of, uh, on both sides of the aisle. So uh, there's a little bit more of a collectivism here in the Delta. There, it, it's It's not as outwardly demonstratively uh, segregated as as you might think. Uh, now, our neighborhoods, yeah, our neighborhoods are are indeed more or less segregated. But there was never a time in Hollandale where I felt scared that something would happen to me, because we're uh, in in part because we're predominantly black. So I didn't grow up with the mindset that I needed to be afraid of my white neighbors. Uh, But it it just never felt that way. I've never seen an act of racial violence in Hollandale. I've never heard of an act of racial violence confirmed. in Hollandale. I've heard some suspected stuff and rumors and all that good stuff. But it it doesn't feel like I know I would have felt 60 years ago. Or I know I would feel if I lived elsewhere in Mississippi, like if I lived in Madison County, I would roll a lot differently than I do here in Holland. So uh, it's, it's, it's really, really, it's complicated, but it's comforting because I'm used to it. Like I'm used to the idea that, the hollandale school district is like 95 plus percent black at all times like that 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 just seemed normal to me as a kid uh i'm 35 now and it occurred to me last year that i've never met anyone my age a white person my age who's from hollandale ever never ever ever and so uh (laughs) like uh so the there used to be two high schools in Hollandale. A lot of folks don't know this story. Uh, there used to be Hollandale High School. Used to be over on Church Street, around Church Street, around the corner from Double And so the the black kids went to Simmons. The white kids went to Hollandale High. Well, Hollandale's high last class, I believe, was in 1965 or 1966. But if you ever look at the sign outside Deer Creek Academy, established 1966. Once the schools were integrated, and they had to be integrated, the Holland, the, the the powers that be decided to tear Hollandale High School down instead of sharing it, instead of selling it to the to the other school. They tore it down. Part of the campus is still vacant to this day. So the, it's like the only vacant land on church street <laughs> the only vacant land on church street is hollandale high or where it used to be so all of the white children in town and you know the, the black students who can afford it go to deer creek academy or in in arcola or to washington over in greenville or greenville christian school uh or saint joe's but they don't go to Simp. Uh, I, I I went to school with a few white kids, went to school with a few biracial kids, but all of them transferred into the district. None of them were from Hollandale. Uh, Hillman Allen, Hillman and Crystal Allen were the only exceptions I can think of. And they moved away in like 1999 after their dad died. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, very many white people in Hollandale personally, and it's just the way it is. There, there aren't very many people that are publicly active in Hollandale, right?
0: And that you know, obviously, I'm a white guy, and and I was there now mm-hmm. twenty years ago. It just sounds funny to say it out loud, but I remember, as you know, my my first year there, we won mm-hmm. state championship with. Yeah. Julio's your cousin, uh, he, right? Jasper. Yeah, my yeah, second cousin, yeah. Yeah. So Jasper and you know, we had a, a team of six mm-hmm. seniors that were just studs. And so anyway, we win the championship, and there's a parade in Hollandale mm-hmm. a few days later. They give us the key to the city and so forth, key to the town. And so we're on um mm-hmm. Main Street. Uh, is that the name it of it? Is, is it Main not, Street?
1: Uh, if you're talking about where, uh, da- you're talking about downtown? It's Washington Avenue. Yeah, yeah.
0: Washington Avenue. Yeah, we're on Washington Avenue, exactly. And, you know, it's a parade. It's a celebration. The band is playing. You know, we're in the back of a truck or the team's in the mm-hmm. back of several trucks. And on the other side of the street was were two older white women mm-hmm. walking. And it was like a veil, a curtain was dropped. And they weren't acknowledging, not only were they not participating, but they weren't acknowledging what was happening. And that was my experience of um race relations in in Hollandale, kind of tracking what you're saying. where there's not this, you know, anger and fear mm-hmm. and violence. It's just two yeah. worlds that only ever interact in 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 transactional spheres, you know, paying, paying, uh, white, white people paying for their groceries and, and, and there's a Mm -hmm. black clerk and things like that.
1: Well, um, yeah, uh, it, we have, we seem to have settled into a rhythm that works for us. Uh, it does have its drawbacks. It really does. Um, if you look at the zoning, like look at the, uh, if you look at the parcel sizes, um, in in wards one two and some of three and compare them to the lot sizes in ward four actually you can compare them one and two and three and four so basically cut city in half at um at east avenue pretty much cut city in half more or less at at east avenue or morgan avenue uh, right across the track however you want to do it but just compare the lot sizes uh where you've got lots that are like 75 by 150 over uh, in wards three and four, those are small lots for ward three and four, but the average lot in ward two is 50 by a hundred. And the, 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 the parcels are sliced up in perfect parcels for shotgun houses and you can look at it and you can tell so there are drawbacks to the idea that we are just de facto segregated and everything everybody's okay with it there's a drawback to it You're just, you just you 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 grow immune to the idea that you should have a large yard now i'm i'm lucky because I grew, the the house where I grew up actually has the lot behind, the the lot runs from street to street. So I I grew up with a huge, huge backyard, because my grandfather owned the lot next door to his house, and it went back the same way too. So huge backyard at one of the biggest yards of anybody I knew growing up. So that's just one of those things that if you don't think about it, it would never occur to you. But once you do think about it, it's like a hole in a tooth, your tongue or, or, or uh, a socket where the tooth used to be, your tongue just keeps finding it. And so I started to think uh, right around the time I figured that out, you know, what can we do about that? And so I instantly started looking up house plans that you could put on a fifty <laughs> on a fifty foot wide lot that wasn't a shotgun house. And my dream is to one day develop these vacant houses, these vacant lots, and empty rundown houses in in Hollandale. Uh That that's my dream. But w- w- I'm, I'm sure we're going to get to that. <laughs> Love it.
0: So you mentioned a campaign earlier. Can you talk about? What that campaign was, what your reasons for running were, and what lessons you learned along the way.
1: Absolutely. So I competed in this year's um municipal primary election for the position of alderman in the war two, where I grew up, and I decided to run because um I thought that you know the the education and training that i've had you know majoring in political science working in city government teaching government for years i thought that that might have prepared me for the position and it just so happened that my alderman uh, mr robert swent was about to retire after 20 years and we had been just chatting about politics and life and all of that. Uh, I graduated with his daughter, Stephanie, of course. And so he uh, he told me that he would endorse me if I ran. And he was the first person that, that, that planted the seed in my mind. And this is last year, last summer. And so I thought about it over the winter and I jumped in the race on the very last day <laughs> to qualify, uh, February 5th. And so um I ran because we could not afford to think about today anymore. We were in a situation where we have to start thinking about tomorrow because you can't like turn a ship on a dime, you have to plan the turn and we're at a point where if we're going to avoid the iceberg we're heading toward, we got to start planning that turn. We gotta start thinking about the next twenty years. And so I thought I had an opportunity to get out there and share my ideas with my fellow citizens and get a a handle on their concerns, because you know you have your concerns as a citizen, but you know other people experience things differently. So uh, I, I wanted to get a chance to talk to people about what their concerns were, how they were being served by city government. And uh, I, I tried to find a synthesis of two, my ideas and the needs of the constituency. So we ran a, a, a tough a, a tough campaign. It, it, it fell 22 votes shy, lost by 22 votes. But um, along the way, I learned that, you know, this, if you want to do this, you got to bear up for it. <laughs> and um, it, it takes a toll. But what worth having is, you know, easy to get. Uh, I learned that it's very, very easy to tell people what they want to hear, but telling people what they need to hear, especially when they're going to hate to hear it, that is, uh, that that is, once you learn how to do that, it becomes really, really satisfying to do that becomes really, really satisfying to tell the truth to people and to worry less and less about their reactions. Um, I I learned that we can absolutely use 21st century, um, we can absolutely use 21st century campaigning techniques, but there's no substitute for boots on the ground. And the pandemic was a big damper on that but there's no substitute for boots on the ground. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting a chance to run again under different circumstances so that we can actually uh, do more events and do more door knocking and talk to more people and just uh, see if we have better results next time. We'll get them next time.
0: Love it, I love it. Okay, I have two different things, two different directions to go. You and I are both huge Godfather fans. Um, Godfather one and two. Part three doesn't exist. There's some rumor that that part three exists, but I think that's just in some other pocket universe. Not only does part three exist, but there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. The the re the restoration or the what is it called? The the death of Michael Corleone? The death like of Michael Corleone. Yeah. It's
1: I mean, it's okay. It's it's like uh it's it's like a it's like slightly different frosting on dry cake that's the perfect uh <laughs> perfect description so i'm just trying to decide
0: i think uh let, let, let's table godfather our, our, our godfather nerd out either for the end or we can yeah. just do a separate podcast because i'm sure we can talk for an hour and a half on yeah, it. yeah
1: we'll save that one for we'll save that one for last since we got a hard out
0: yeah yeah <laughs> um let's go back to hollandale for a minute Okay. And you, you've you touched on this throughout what you've been saying. What do you love about Hollandale?
1: Uh, I can't think about Hollandale without thinking about it as, you know, those, those family tree illustrations that they put on those t-shirts, right? And like the, the ones that are like the actual trees with the name on it. Hollandale's the dirt on mine. So Both sides of my family moved to Hollandale when my parents were children. Both my parents were born outside Hollandale. So they were the first generation to grow up here and they met here, they fell in love here, they made me here. And so this is to use a slightly archaic term, these are my ancestral lands. Uh, This is where my roots, were born. Uh, So the first thing I love about Hollandale is that it's home. I very seldom feel more comfortable in the world than I do here. Uh, Even if I'm a bit of an odd fit for the place, but I I love it. Uh, Second, there's a resilience in Hollandale. That is just it, it's, 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 it's amazing if you just think about the things that this place has to have seen, the things that the the, the 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 institutional memory of this place, like this place has to know some horrible things and it has to have seen some horrible things and it's still here. And it's not only here, it's proud to be here. And that is just that whole, you can't kill me thing, it to always appeal to me because that is the nature of our people you you you've met quite a few of us we are just proudly defiant <laughs> to the point where I joked during the campaign that our, uh, our our motto should be, you can't tell me shit. We should just stitch it on a flag and hang it, at, and hang it off the pole at City Hall. Because you can't. We're incorrigible. I love us to death, but we're <laughs> incorrigible. These are my people. and so I, I include myself in this. You can't tell me anything. But we are just defiant and resilient and hard-headed and passionate about things we care about. And passionate about our families, and we'll fight you over our kids. Like I just love it. It's home. It, it's it's is it's it it is it's our little slice of heaven. But I do have to caution you on one little thing, because this was made abundantly clear to me during the campaign. It is not the town of Hollandale, it is never the town of Hollandale, it is the city of Hollandale. We have a complex about that. My, my apologies. My bad. Oh, no, 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 no. You're good. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand. Like, I always noticed it as a kid, but I didn't understand how real it was until I ran for office. It is the city of Hollandale. We are insistent.
0: That's so funny. Um, how did you feel, so with all that as backdrop, how did you feel walking into Simmons High School the first time as a teacher?
1: Felt like saved by the bell, of the new class. It really did. Like, I, I felt the ghosts walking with me, and uh, I'm I'm leaning heavy on the cliches here, but seriously, I felt the the my aunts, my uncles, my parents, my brother, my cousins, all the people that had come before me through those halls, because you know I got a big family on both sides, and most of them went to Simmons, so. Like, it felt like I was walking in their footsteps. I could hear them in my head. And, you know, they have the the graduating classes hung up. And so my parents are side by side, classes of 79 and 80, right outside the teacher's lounge. So I had to walk past them every single day to get to my classroom. So it felt like coming home. It felt comfortable. But the flip side to that was that I gauged and I continue to gauge and I have to work, I'm, I'm working that out of my system, I gauged my expectations to my experience. So I expected the kids to behave like kids did in my day. I expected to work to go like work did in my day. I expected to teach like teachers did in my day. And times have changed. <laughs> So that was the big thing. It's like coming, it's like coming home, but coming home through a time warp. Your mind is gauged to what you know, what you did. And And I had to learn that everybody wasn't me. That was a lesson I could not learn in high school, and it's a lesson I struggle with as a teacher. Like, I have to stop and remind myself as I'm talking to students, they aren't you. They aren't your classmates. You have to you have to talk to them differently. <laughs> so it it it's been a learning experience, but uh, there was a bit of a generational gap for for a bit because I am I I was old for a new teacher. I started teaching when I was thirty one, <laughs> so I was old for a new teacher. So I I was not only set in my ways, I was. 15 16 17 years older than my students cuz I had seventh graders and seniors my first year though the 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 the, the young grown and the grown grown so <laughs> so like finding a way to communicate to another generation had me feeling like my grandmother. I can admit that had me feel like my grandparents. Uh, I can admit that. Like they would ask me about a rapper. What the hell is an NBA young boy? What, what are you talking? Use English, son, use your words. I love it. I love it. You
0: know, and what you were saying about walking in and the photos of of everybody who'd walked through those halls before you up Mm -hmm. on the walls, looking down it it, again, it tracks with my experience there, which was I had an an epiphany one day about uh, we were in the gym for something. Maybe it was a basketball game or rally or something. And every, the Simmons, the school is Mm -hmm. the heart of the community. In my opinion, certainly almost every Um, black person in Hollandale went through those hallways. Uh Friday nights, you know, there's a basketball game that the community comes out for in the gym or a football game on the field.
1: Uh
0: Um, Sometimes we have funerals, or memorial services in that same gym. Uh Um, Sometimes there's voting or there's something else community related. Uh But it's all it's the the center, it's not the physical center of the town, but it's the heart of the town and everything kind of flowed through the school in, in a beautiful way.
1: Yeah, I just thought about this and I have to mention this. Or I'm never going to hear, I'm never going to hear the end of it from Hollandale.
0: Okay, the go.
1: other thing I love about Hollandale is that we are absolutely positively, sometimes to our detriment, committed to our athletic program. We support our athletes, we love our athletes, they are our pride, they are our joy. We will fight over them, we will shoot over them, you do not get to come to you don't get to come to hollandale and not understand that we take athletics seriously we have an athletic tradition that stretches back decades (laughs) and that was a big thing i talked about during the campaign but uh i i would be remiss if i did not mention that one of the hundred percent one of the things i love about simmons is it does not matter who we're playing does not matter what sport we're playing it does not matter whether we're good that year or we're bad that year Hollandale's is going to turn out for them Hollandale's going to show up Hollandale's is going to be vocal hollandale will give its 100 to these athletes and that is just it's amazing to see because you will see four to five generations at a simmons football game You'll, act, you'll absolutely see, you'll see 85-year-old fans and their five-year-old great-grandchildren or their great-grandchildren. Like, that's just how it goes. And they all have stories about when they played or when their brother played or when their daddy played. They all have these stories, and I'm no different. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it, it's just it's a tradition that we hand down from generation to generation it's a thing that we take pride in 100 uh, percent
0: I mean one for such a small city only 2700 people the number of division one athletes men and women that have come through Simmons uh, you know whatever the percentage is it's got to be super high compared to almost any other community mm-hmm. and for me, you obviously remember this because you were in high school at the time. I was part of that last generation of it was Mr. Willis was the basketball coach. Huh? Mr. Thompson was the baseball coach. Uh, Mr. Will coach Williams was Williams yes. was the football yeah. coach. And they'd all been there at least 20 years. Uh-huh. And, and the superintendent um, I'm blanking on his name, but he was, Mrs. he was Sanders. No, he, it was, it was the person after Mr. Sanders, Howard. Sanders. Uh, Mr. Love. Yes. Yes. And he was like the third superintendent in <laughs> 70 years or something. Cause it'd been T.R. Sanders and then Howard Sanders. Uh-huh. So there was so much, you know, we're talking about community. And one of the things that, that lots of communities have lost these days is continuity. Mm-hmm. And I feel really lucky to have been there right at the tail end of you had teachers who'd been there twenty years. You had coaches who'd been there twenty years. You had administrators who'd been there for so long, and and from you know I keep up with Hollandale and my friends there. From from what I understand, you know that part of it has changed a bit, which is, as I said, a part of life in many communities. But but there's definitely something lost there.
1: Well, what hit us hardest was the loss of institutional knowledge. Uh, Mr. Liddell, the principal, when we were both there. I was just, I just did the math in my head. He was only the fifth principal since 1934. <laughs> Amazing. And now so, there's
0: probably been 10 principals, right? I mean, since Mr. Liddell left, they, oh, there's at least three or four that I know. Of, one, and I'm not even uh, there.
1: This one's going to be my third next year.
0: Okay. Yeah, next Your third since you started teaching. Yeah. So that's in four or five yeah. years. Uh,
1: th- next exactly. Next year will be my fifth year. And this will be my third principle. Yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, that loss of knowledge, that that loss. Of, yeah,
1: you, again, I play You
0: know, my my father played for you. My older brother played mm-hmm. for you. My my sister was in your yeah.
1: class. Well, more than that, it's uh, it's uh, it, 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 I I'll, I'll put it like this. Thinking in my head from kindergarten to about ninth grade. I had, hang on one second, let me do the math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teachers that retired with 30 or more years experience. And a lot of them had 25 plus when they taught me. And a lot of them taught for a decade after they taught me. Uh, So there was this continuity of instruction. Of, of methodology that, that just, it, it was a strong foundation. Uh, it, it, I, I'm a math, I, I teach math now, and I haven't passed a math class since I graduated high school. That's how well I was taught math uh, at, at Simmons. And so we've lost that experience. And along with that experience, we've lost those methods and it's those methods and that experience that time in the classroom that we miss more than anything
0: right and there's also in coaching and especially in teaching there's so much subconscious value i think in um yes you're walking into my class for the first time Mm -hmm. but I know who your mama is. Mm -hmm. I taught the sibling of yours or this cousin of yours. Mm -hmm. And as important, if not more important, um, I have patience and empathy Mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of first year and second year teachers um, don't have. Not to say that they're not empathetic. They're often not patient. But it's just an understanding of, hey, we're playing the long game here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to to help you learn math, learn English, learn whatever it is. But I'm also just trying to help you be a better person, be a better citizen of the world and a better citizen of our community. And when you start cycling in a lot of first and second year teachers, and, mm-hmm. and I was part of that cycle, uh, I'm, not ex- I'm exempting myself from that you, um, you lose some of that patience and some of that empathy.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the things that helped ease me into the classroom was that very connection. I was able to look at my students go, I went to school with your mom. Your mom was my classmate. Your mom was my friend on Facebook.
0: If if you start showing (laughs) out your mom was in my cell phone, I can call Uh, her right now.
1: Exactly. Like that is an asset. That's definitely an asset, but Yeah, absolutely. What you what you touched on, uh, I I I could understand their particular struggle because the thing about poverty in America is it affects us all the same and differently at the same time. So being able to understand the particular cultural circumstances of these students has been an asset. Uh, I, I can't, I, I can't put a value on, on that, uh, on, on that familiarity, because when they can, they, they know they can come to me and say, Mr. Johnson, such and such happened. And I'm not, because my cultural experiences are attuned to theirs, I'm less inclined to say that. No, you didn't. Or what does that have to do with anything? Like it, it does, it does make it easier to 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 generate that empathy and, and to have that patience when they say, "Mr. Johnson, we we didn't learn this, Mr. Johnson, we can't do this." It, it 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 it's less frustrating than it would be otherwise. Not that it's not frustrating at times, but it's less frustrating than it would be. Uh, And so a big part of being able to teach at home is I can humble brag a little bit and say everything that I've accomplished in life started right here. You can do whatever you want to, but you got to put in the work and you can do it here. I know you can because we did. And, you know, that's not always the most productive thing to say, but if you use it judiciously and in the right circumstances and then follow it up with actual investment in them, that can be a productive approach. Uh, when, 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 when you, when you show that empathy, they open up to you. And they can tell you about their particular vulnerabilities, what they're afraid of, what they don't feel like they do well enough, what they think they need to improve on. And once you get to that step, you're in there, you're golden. And it's all about just building them up so that they can stop saying can't. That that is my goal. Every single day that I teach, every single day that I interact with the children of the community even because since the campaign you know i've just been working from home and you know uh just out and about seeing folks and i have become more comfortable in in addressing them outside of school as a member of the community that has made me more comfortable interacting with them in school has made me more comfortable in acting like the adults did when i was a kid being an an elder, so to speak. It, it, Ooh, that one fell out of my heart. That one fell out of my mouth <laughs> a little hard. <laughs> that, that one was a little hard to say, but yes, as an elder, as not a father or a father figure, but a big brother, you know, right. uh, I, I, I had a student, uh, I saw a student and I realized that I was getting old I saw a student walking and he's on the track team. He's on the track team. And I saw him walking and he was smoking a cigarette. And he, he's graduated now. He He's an alumnus. He's one of my former students. So I pulled, I like, I stopped my car and rolled down my window and yelled, put that out. <laughs> and that was when I realized, huh, okay. <laughs> so so it, it's, it, it's all about, building up their confidence so that they can take on the world with their chest out like I was able to because of the people around me that instill that confidence in me. I'm just trying to pay that forward.
0: What? That, that, that's it's
1: such great stuff, Ivory. And so this
0: question came up as you were talking about your experiences and, and your teachers. What were your thoughts then when you were a student about myself, people like Miss Rybiansky, you know, other teachers, white outsiders who have been placed in this school um, by an outside program, probably only gonna stay two or maybe three years. What were your thoughts then? What are your thoughts now?
1: Um, back then, I'm not gonna lie. We thought y'all were over, in over your heads and, we tried to take advantage of it where we could. Uh huh. Yep. And I, I I, have no hesitation in including myself in this. I tried you a couple of times just to see if I could. What did even, you? What, did you? What, I can't even remember. Anything, exactly. Wasn't yeah. anything personal, but I I would, yeah, we would try y'all. We we would not do what you told us just to see what you do about it. And the older I get, the more I realize there's just a cultural test. Just to see if you were one of us.
0: Are you and are you gonna stick it out? Them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't stick it out, are you one of us or are you one of them? Are you here for us or are you here for you? And it's fascinating looking back on that. Because I was 16. I didn't have any of those thoughts consciously, but I thought them looking right. back. in retrospect. And it's amazing how kids do that. Kids absolutely will suss you out. They will. They will absolutely. They'll test you to see how you'll react. And if you react in a way that is satisfactory, they'll open up to you. And I got to give you credit. You did. And something else hit me when we were talking about athletics. You're up in the gym. You're on the team yeah. photo. Yeah, no, you're I on know. the team photo. You're up in the gym,
0: and those sapsuckers <laughs> didn't tell me it was team photo day. <laughs> so everybody, including Coach Willis and Ducci, uh-huh. and the team, everybody's in the in in our team tracksuit. And I got on like a Christmas sweater. or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> you got on a Cosby sweater. <laughs> you have on this. <laughs> they not tell me
0: nothing that day.
1: You have on this baggy, baggy cable. ass white ba- sweater with some kind of cable. pattern on it. Bag yeah. of cable knit with like argyle across the chest and like a dress, an Oxford dress shirt under it, and like cargo case Oh god! Let, let me, let me. You, um, you, you look like Snow, the Canadian I rapper. Know. Yeah, that's exactly who you look <laughs> <just> like, Snow. <laughs>
0: that's so funny. Um, there was something I wanted to. What was
1: it? I wanted to follow up on there.
0: Um. Oh, so let me, because we both have hard outs. In, oh, oh in a few wait, minutes. wait,
1: wait, I forgot to answer the other part. What
0: do I think about it now? Yeah, well, no, actually, let me just, before we have oh, yeah, time for ahead. that, but, but I just yeah, want to add ahead. one thing, which is, this is also what you're going to see. So you described a great um, example of a interaction as, this is somebody I taught, now I'm in their life, even if they're just smoking a cigarette, walking down the street, I'm going to holler at them. Um, what's going to happen later, as you well know, one of the players... On that team that i coached was a young man named carl lucas now he's a now he's a bit of an older man named carl lucas who's now a teacher and the head basketball coach at simmons high school so there's this circular path to life that happens
1: he's he's, he's a little bit more than just a teacher he's okay in the math department chair he's an instructional coach now he's, nice yeah he finished right. his, he, he just finished his eds uh, so last great. year yeah he is an awesome teacher and uh, I'm a couple of months older than him, actually, but he is he, hes an excellent role model when it comes to teaching, when it comes to actual the nuts and bolts of teaching, no peer, no peer whatsoever. But the thing that he does better than anybody I have ever seen, he adapts to whatever slot kids have available for hmm. whatever whatever way that he, they can understand and welcome him in that is his approach That's he so is adaptable in the the positive in the most positive connotation of that word like he is as 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 adaptable as aluminum foil and that is an amazing thing to watch, to have modeled for you day in and day out. Uh, The, the, the patience and the empathy that even with sternness, especially with sternness, like I, 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 I want to teach like him when I grow up. Just,
0: just hearing you talk and describe Carl, you know, for me, Ivory, having taught both of you, having coached Carl, um just you know my my heart swells with with pride and with love that you know i i i played a very small part in in both of your lives and this place that's so important to me that's so important to all of us um you're now carrying that forward um in in carrying it forward in a much more robust way and impactful way now, not
1: not just us now. Uh, we have I to believe, me. three or four other classmates that are teachers. Who? They don't teach at Simmons, but oh, okay. Alicia Alicia Carroll. Uh-huh. Yeah. Marcella Love. Mm-hmm. Uh Clarence Johnson just got yeah, started. I think you got for them. Corey Dixon. Larry Brown,
0: I think, is coaching at least. Maybe coaching yeah, he, and teaching. He
1: graduated the year before me. So that mm-hmm. means you taught Georgina too. She's she's still at Simmons.
0: Georgina Otis? Otis.
1: Yeah. 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 She's, she's the English department chair.
0: Um, Mrs. <laughs> Otis. Uh, my first day teaching my first day teaching at Simmons high school. Mm-hmm. I've got a ninth grade classroom and Alvin Robinson's in the class. <laughs> um, and he's he he later became a phenomenal basketball i mean he was on the championship team but he mm-hmm. actually he and carl then led their team as seniors to another championship anyway he's the ninth grader in the class and mm-hmm. mrs otis pokes her head at, and this goes back to that continuity and community that we're talking about mm-hmm. and she's you know says something to the class i'm a brand new teacher brand new to hollandale etc mm-hmm. etc cetera, et cetera. i'm still you know trying to get my feet under me and she looks at alvin and she says Alvin, what you looking at, you little BB head motherfucker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I I was not there, but I get I, I'm going to guess if he reacted, he laughed. He said, Oh, Miss Otis, and just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> See, one of the things about that cultural continuity is that a thing like that can happen exactly. with absolutely no misunderstanding. Yep. And, and and what's the the
0: underlying um, communication there is, is affection, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And whereas you know, for an outsider to say something like that, yeah, you would you would get jumped immediately.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. There. <laughs> yeah, so. like uh, when I, I've had interactions with with teachers from outside of of, of the sphere, mm-hmm. and I've I, I've had to I've had to say from time to time. that that's one of those things that you can't say though exactly that that's all right here's the problem but you can't say that like they'll ask why do they do this why do they do that i'll tell them and i'll be like now just to be clear you can't say that (laughs) like i can say it because you you know i grew up because you got the history yeah and at the end of the day i'm still six four two (laughs) sixty it can be whatever but i don't like I don't like the chances, Chief. You 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 gotta tread carefully. But that is one of the things that that is one of the things that I'm more concerned with as an adult. Like I didn't think about the potential ramifications of being taught from somebody so completely removed from my cultural sphere as a student. It didn't occur to me. Right. But as a teacher, I've seen it firsthand. Where cultural misunderstandings can escalate a situation.
0: That that's so there, deep. That, I, 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 I I hate uh, to do this to to you, to me, to the listeners, but I got one minute to get my next um, call set up. Okay. Uh, so let's let's stop here. Okay. And let's plan on doing round two uh, sooner than later, and okay. we'll, we'll talk some more about this. Do a deep dive into Godfather. Uh-huh, all right. And uh, whatever else comes up. Ivory Johnson, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Ivory Johnson. Sorry that we had to cut that short, but I'm sure we'll do a part two sooner than later. This has been Ben Guest. You can find all my work at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. Have a great day.